You're listening to River City Revival. This is Reverend Liz Jackson. Today's sermon is True Word of Yah. What do fallen angels, angels, gods of myth, and saints have in common? Part 3. As always, in the description box of this podcast, you will find a link to the Lion's Tears Ministry where you can learn and study this information on your own and continue to build your relationship with our one true creator. To to read part two of this series, please go to Education and Reality, What Do Fallen Angels, Angels, Gods of Myth, and Saints Have in Common, part two. So welcome to one of my favorite sermons so far, because my mind has been blown again, and yours will be too during this lesson, for so much more makes sense now. Abba Yah is so amazing, for you ask and you will receive, when you seek, you will find, and when you knock on the door of knowledge, power, wisdom, the true word of God, he will open the door unto you. Brothers and sisters, Abba Yah's information being revealed again, at least to me, is mind-blowing, and I'm so excited. We have talked about Ishtar, or Ashtoreth, who is mentioned in the Bible. Until right now, I didn't know her origins or how her worship started, but OMG wow, we are all going to know now together, and you will see Abba Yah's words come to life in a brighter light. So what he showed me is, Ishtar is the wife of Semyaza, the fallen angel. Ishtar um, again, wife of the fallen angel. This information comes from uh, 30 Days of Judaic Myth by Matthew Kressel. And I do have a link to his full um, blog sermon posts, but we're going to read just a little bit. And he writes, the angels landed upon Mount Hermon where they could all see to the far ends of the earth. Each chose the woman that most attracted them, and the women, flattered that these angels took interest in them, were eager brides. The angels were wise in the art of building and agriculture and healing and taught these arts to humankind. They taught people how to kindle and maintain fire, how to read and write, to draw, to work clay, and many other valuable skills. Soon, the earth thrived with bustling trade from all their creations, and people moved from one end of the earth to the other. Of all the angel brides, the most beautiful was Ishtar, the wife of Semyaza. Semyaza watched her constantly, never letting her beauty slip from his gaze. He built her a house to match her incomparable visage. Daily, he brought her gifts to decorate the house, hoping to please her. But forever his wife remained forlorn and aloft from him. Never once did they engage in sexual relations. Now, as a refresher, let us turn to Enoch chapter 6, the whole chapter. 
And it came to pass when the children of men had multiplied that in those days were born unto them beautiful and comely daughters. And the angels, the children of the heaven, saw and lusted after them and said to one another, Come, let us choose wives from among the children of men and beget us children. And Semyaza, who was their leader, said unto them, I fear ye will not indeed agree to do this deed, and I alone shall have to pay the penalty of a great sin. And they all answered him and said, Let us all swear an oath and bind ourselves by mutual imprecations, not to abandon this plan, but to do this thing. They swear they all together and bound themselves by mutual imprecations upon it. And they were in all two hundred who descended in the days of Jared on the summit of Mount Hermon. And they called it Mount Hermon because they had sworn and bound themselves by mutual imprecations upon it. And these are the names of their leaders. Semyaza, their leader, Erkabal, Ramiel, Kokabel, Tamel, Ramel, Daniel, Ezekiel, Barakzel, Azel, Amaros, Batarel, Enel, Zazel, Samsapel, Saturel, Turel, Jomjel, Sariel, and these are the chiefs of ten. And we have covered um, more about the leaders and what happened in our how did evil survive after the flood and the sermons on how it really was in the days of Noah. Um, we'll cover some more when we get to the topic of giants, possibly here later in this season five. Um, but it's vital to know that Ishtar, Ashtar, Ashtarith is the wife of the fallen angel the leader, Semyaza. So now it should be clear to you why Ashtar is worshipped. Remember our sermons on how Ashtoreth is tied to Christmas? Do you remember how there are Ashtar poles all over the earth in every culture that represents phallic worship? This is why. Because she was the wife of the chief fallen angel, the leader, Semyaza. Um, we will go out of order from parts one and two and get right into the Egyptian deity Ashtar and Ashtoreth for a brief reminder. So Ashtoreth is found in the Bible. Her name is Ashtoreth, and that's Hebrew word H6253, and we learn that the definition in Hebrew means the Phoenician goddess of love and increase. Strong's number H6253, Ashtoreth, only occurs three times in three verses in the King James Hebrew Old Testament. And we're going to read a passage from 1 Kings 11, 5 through 6 
which states, For Solomon went after Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Zidonians, and after Milcom, the abomination of the Ammonites. And Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord, and went not fully after the Lord, as did his father. And if you recall other sermons, we've learned that due to Solomon having 700 wives and X amount of concubines, he tried to please his wives and women rather than pleasing the Lord God. And the Lord God promised that he would take his kingdom away and scatter the remnant of the true believers of God again because of King Solomon's disobedience. Next, we're going to read a passage from brooklynmuseum.org on Ishtar, which states Ishtar, called the Queen of Heaven by the people of ancient Mesopotamia, which is modern Iraq, was the most important female deity in their Parthenon. She shared many aspects with an earlier Sumerian goddess, Inanna, which you're going to understand and learn that Inanna is the same as Ishtar. The name Ishtar comes from the Semitic language of the Akkadians and is used for the goodness, or for the goddess, excuse me, from about 2300 BC on. A malfaced goddess, Ishtar takes three paramount forms. She is the goddess of love and sexuality, thus fertility. She is responsible for all life, but she is never a mother goddess. As the goddess of war, she is often shown winged and bearing arms. Her third aspect is celestial. She is the planet Venus, the morning and evening star. So you see how people have idolized her, immortalized her, and still worship her today. And again, you're going to understand that Inanna is the same name and deity Ishtar, same person. Next, we're going to move to the Greek goddess Hera, who again is the same entity, Ishtar. Her Roman name is Juno, and this comes from ancient.edu. Hera, Roman name Juno, wife of Zeus, and queen of the ancient Greek gods, represented the ideal woman and was goddess of marriage and the family. However, she was perhaps most famous for her jealous and vengeful nature, principally aimed against the lovers of her husband and her illegitimate offspring, or and their illegitimate offspring. Hera herself was notable as one of the very few deities that remained faithful to her partner, and she therefore became to symbolize monogamy and fidelity. So here we have the names changed again from Ishtar to Ashtoreth to Inanna, depending on culture, to Hera or Juno. Next, we're going to look at the Aztec goddess, Mikatakal, and that's spelled M-I-C-T-E-C-A-C-I-H-U. A-T-L. And I apologize again for mispronunciation, but Aztec names are incredibly interesting. 
And again, this is the same deity as Paleo-Hebrew is older than anything else. And we've been proven that with archaeology. So this comes from LearnReligions.com. In states, in the mythology of the Aztec people, the ancient culture of central Mexico, Mictecacutl is literally Lady of the Dead, along with her husband, Mictlantecatl. Mictecacutl ruled over the land of Mictlan, the lowest level of the underworld where the dead re reside. In mythology, Mictecacutl's role is to guard the bones of the dead and govern over the festivals of the dead. These festivals eventually add some of their customs to modern-day Day of the Dead, which is also heavily influenced by Christian Spanish traditions. So she is the Lady of the Dead in Aztec culture, but still same principle applies. This deity of the Aztecs is Ishtar of the Hebrews, is Hera of the Greeks, and is Ashtoreth of the Egyptians. Now, in my research, I did not find a Hindu goddess that fits the description to correlate with, so we're going to move on to the Chinese goddess. And the Chinese have a goddess, Queen Mother of the West. And this comes from popular gods and goddesses of ancient China, ancient.eu. She was the queen of the mortal gods and spirits, especially female spirits who lived in the mystical land of Xiyu, or West Flower, and goddess of immortality. She is also known as Zixguma or Ziwang Mu and lived in the castle of gold in the Kulun Mountains, surrounded by a moat which was so sensitive that even a hair dropped on the waters would sink. This moat served as protection for her imperial peach orchard, where the juices of the fruit of the trees gave immortality. Zixwanguma is shown as a beautiful woman or woman with sharp teeth and a leopard's tail or as an old unattractive woman with a hunchback tiger's teeth and a leopard's tail depending on her mood she rewarded her followers with eternal life but punished those who angered her during the Han Dynasty, which was from 206 BC to 220 CE, her cult was very popular and shrines were built for her by the government. She is the wife of Mu Gong, Lord of the Spirits, who watches over male spirits in the land of Donghu, East Flower, but is sometimes seen as the wife of Shangti. Now, if you remember... In our part one series where we talked about China and their gods and beliefs for a brief moment, we learned that Shangti in Chinese was the one deity that they started off worshiping in Chinese culture. The emperor would pray verses almost nearly like 
what you find in Genesis. And again, there is no coincidence. So Shang-Ti in Chinese, to recap, is the supreme God, or at least was. And that is our true creator's name in China. So we have to try to get back brothers and sisters all over the world to our one true creator and stop worshiping these fallen angels and these high fluting put on a pedestal human beings that these angels lusted after and were immortalized because they sinned with them. We are slapping our creator in the face when we hold on to these pagan ideologies. For each culture has the same deity with just a different name. And the more you listen to these sermons and the more you see the correlation and you hear the correlation, the more it's going to be clear to you. So next we move to the Roman Catholic saint. And again, as we have learned prior, the Roman Catholics idolize Mary just like was done back in the day with Ishtar and Ashtoreth and with the queen of ancient China, the mother of the West. So Virgin Mary equals mother goddess, which equals the queen of heaven, Christianity and the Knights Templars, the Templars dedicated themselves to the Virgin Mary. And undoubtedly this was the influence of their original M- Eminence um, Gris Bernard of Clarifax, who indoctrinated and everything, he had a strong devotion to Mary. So Bernard of Clarifax, again, was responsible or one of the reasons why Mary is worshipped as well. And to recap, what does the Catholic Church, excuse me, What does the Catholic Church teach about Mary? The Catholic Church firmly believes that Mary was immaculately conceived since God rejects all sin and the purpose of Christ's incarnation was to release man from the grasp of Satan. It was not suitable that our Redeemer be personally associated with sin. This means that unlike the original sin, that we as humans inherit at the moment of conception, Mary was exempt from the sin and in like manner was not subject to sin throughout her life. In Luke one twenty eight, the angel Gabriel addresses Mary, hail, full of grace. The fullness of grace would not have been hers had she any stain of sin. In the apostolic constitution by Pope Pius the ninth on the Immaculate Conception, he iterates this teaching. He states that Mary's body has been glorified in heaven and she has been given an important role near her son as queen of heaven and earth. Mary is entitled queen because she is the mother of Jesus, who is truly a king of kings. With the queenship Mary has been given by her son, Mary offers abiding mercy and compassion. 
interceding for all God's children. In the book of Revelation 12.1, Mary's status as queen is reflected, and a great portent appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet, and on her head a crown of twelve stars. The Feast of Mary's Queenship is celebrated on August 22nd of each year. So again, Mary is the same worship deity um, that is held for Ashtar and Ashtoreth. Same principle, just the names have changed. The identities, you know, have been manipulated to hide who we really are. And that is one race, mankind, made in the image by our creator. And I love these sermons. I really do. And I love that Abba Yah showed me that Ishtar is the wife of Semyaza, excuse me, because that makes so much sense now as to why her role throughout the creation of time up and today is still relevant and still being worshipped and still holds, you know, people captive because that is what happens. Easter, I didn't do an Easter sermon but Easter and Ishtar is the same thing. Easter is a worship of Ishtar. Now, in the Bible, it says that Ishtar had um, Tammuz and this and that and whatever. Um, Matthew Kretzel, again, he said that Samyaza and um, Ishtar didn't have sexual relations. So, who is to say the... Verses on Ishtar and um, Tammuz are accurate. Things do get manipulated. The story does change to lead you astray. That is what these principalities and high places and rulers that Ephesians 6.12 talks about. The changing of times, the manipulation of names and events... When cancel culture hits us, that's what's happening. That's our adversary trying to manipulate the timeline and the events of history. For when we do not learn from history, we are destined to repeat history. And that's why it's important that we cover sermons like this and see the correlation so that you can understand how the world is upside down. For Abba Yah says, when you turn the world upside down, you really are viewing it right side up. So the things that you are perceiving with your eyes and hearing with your ears coming from other sources that are not the true word of God is a delusion. It is a beguilement, meaning beguiling is to lie and to lead astray on purpose. And remember, the way the world is being ruled now, Abba Yah has given control to the adversary so that we can wake up out of our collective amnesia and come to our real senses and learn the truth 
and people are waking up. And again, just a reminder, that's why I use other sources and other people's resources, whether it's research papers or archaeological finds. It's important to correlate all information back to the true word of Abba Yah. Now, as a side note, I would like to announce that the ministry has officially produced a app. It's called the Lion's Tears Ministry. It is found right now currently only for Android users on the Google Play Store. Um, it's a little too expensive for me to do Apple right now until I can get my funds up, which is fine, but I can manage at least Google Play Store now. It is a free app. As always, I try to keep everything as free as possible for you guys because I do not believe that the Word of God should be monetized. That is not what He wants, and that's not what I'm going to do. So this app is free, so if you would like to download it, keep up with the ministry because I always put posts. An app might be easier because it's going to direct you straight to the blog page without you having to go find it. And I'm posting everything that we are covering um, before I talk about it. That way, if you want to read or pull it up with the sermon, you are perfectly able to do so. Read it on your own time. And again, all links that I have talked about briefly are available at the end of the sermon under um, the sermon's lovely picture. Um, I don't know what to call it, so I'm just going to call it a photo. So if you want to learn more about the Aztec goddess, about Hera, read more about Matthew Kretzel's um, work with the angels Samyaza and Ishtar. Um, it is a great read, and I highly urge you to do that because Brothers and sisters, the time is now that we have to unite and get out of our ways that society has taught us because we are one race and that's mankind. And to understand culture, norms, um, and customs, we have to learn what it is that people actually believe and why they believe it and where those beliefs originated. We have to start changing our perspective. And by doing so, we will learn that the names have changed to hide our identity, but the deity is the same throughout the world. As always, it's never goodbye, but I'll see you later.